Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. I want to sing, I'm riding solo, (laughs) riding solo, (laughs) because my partner in crime is not with us today. Zoe has had a really, really busy week of work and unfortunately isn't feeling very well. Um, I wonder if it's the topic that we're going to cover today that's made her feel like this, because it's the sort of topic that both of us bury our head in the sand over. Um, and although it's really, really important, it is something that so many of us just don't want to face. Um, today, we are going to be talking about money. Today, I'm joined by the lovely Charlotte Lidstone, who is a money coach, and she specialises in helping parents, new parents, any parent navigate <laughs> all of the challenges that come financially when you have kids. So welcome. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. I'm so very excited. <laughs> oh, we, do you know what? Zara and I have been talking about sort of, well, we have conversations about money, the two mm. of us, mostly like, oh my God, we never knew it was going to be this expensive. Um, and we have wanted to have this chat, but I guess we found it difficult to know who to have the chat with and we did not realize that there was such a thing as a money coach that specialized in helping parents and I'm so glad that we found you (laughs) Um, but just tell us a little bit about how you got into this so that's a really good question so I actually started off working in technical financial services so I've always worked on kind of the pensions and the investment side and doing the recommendations for financial advisors And then I got pregnant and myself and my husband called Richard and he works in professional services. So he's like a tax kind of person. We thought we both work in finance. We should know how to kind of save for a baby, how to plan for a baby. We should have this totally down. And then I got to about seven months pregnant and all of a sudden we weren't talking like we used to. Everything we talked about was like snapping at each other and we weren't really having proper conversations. And one day I just snapped and it sounds ridiculous, but when he left a dirty teaspoon on the side of the sink, I literally just snapped. And it was kind of the floodgates opened for you don't listen to me, you don't care about me. How are you going to take care of a baby if you can't even put a teaspoon in the right place? And that was a catalyst for us actually sitting down and saying, do you know what? We're going through a massive transition from being a couple 
to being parents. And we really need to come together. We need to re-strategize and we need to think about what kind of life we want to live as a family. Because as a couple, you tend to both work, you tend to both have your own incomes and you kind of have a lot of flexibility in what you can spend your money on. And you maybe don't need to plan as much as you do when you're a family. And that massive argument, all of which started because of a teaspoon, was the catalyst for us thinking we need to totally overhaul the way we talk about money. We need to stop thinking as individuals and start thinking as a family. And that was the catalyst for me retraining as a financial coach and then thinking if I've gone through it, other mums and dads are going through the same thing. So here we are, family money coach. I love it. Do you know what? I needed you five years ago. Um, well, is it more than five years ago now? Yeah, it's probably almost six years ago. Wow. Um, my husband, so my husband and I have been together since we were really young and um, we've sort of moved around for his job and he hit like a bit of a sticky work patch and he wasn't earning what he used to earn. Yeah. And um And I was living in London away from him. He was living in Cheltenham at the time. And then I found out I was pregnant. So everything was wrong. Like, you know, location, money. And I mean, quite naively, we just thought it will just work itself out and it will be fine. And luckily it did. It did work itself out. That's kind of the nature of his job. It can be a bit of a roller coaster. And luckily, you know, it, it, it did work out. But I think there's so many things that we don't consider, you know, like even just having having one child and Mm. the nursery fees if you want to go back to work and you know all of that kind of stuff and then then having another child you've got to think about having two children in nursery I mean we read crazy stats don't we like that say you know one child costs you I don't know quarter of a million pounds or however much it is um what so before we get into the questions I just want to understand what you know what's kind of the typical thing that parents are coming to you asking so what they come to me for and what they actually need are always two different things <laughs> so they tend to come to me imagine you've got a couple and maybe the lady is in the last trimester of pregnancy and they might come to me and they might say okay the plan is that maybe we want to not go back to work for a year how are we going to afford that and as a money coach you think well you're kind of a step early because what you have to remember about the way in which you manage money is your brain learned all of its financial skills by the age of seven so actually when you're pregnant and when you're planning for your children you're two seven-year-olds trying to do a budget and when you think about that that's really scary isn't it (laughs) It is. So you have to kind of look at it and say, okay, what are our natural impulses? How do we think about money? Are we compulsive spenders? Are we compulsive savers? Or are we somewhere in between? And we have to do all of that mindset work before we even look at the budget. So we have to say, what kind of money personalities do we have? What elements of those money personalities are helping or hindering us? And then we look at, and what do we want family life to look like? And then when we've got this really beautiful, high technicolor picture of what we want things to look like, then we go to the money and we say, okay, what money have we got now? What money are we going to have? And how do we best use that money to achieve this high technicolor picture? 
So it's kind of a multi-step process. Right. Okay. So I guess it's like about changing your mindset first off. And you mentioned like, are we serial spenders or whatever, compulsive spenders? How, How do you find out your money type? There's lots of games that you can play. You can do money personality quizzes. I have a great one on my website where you split people down into four kind of personalities just with 10 questions. But you can also do games where you ask people to do almost like a game of bingo where you have lots of different cards with questions on and the answers that they give to the questions will give you an insight to their money personality. You can also do mind games. You can do one that we we frame it like if money was a person and they knocked on your door, what would they look like if they were coming in for a cup of tea to your house? So somebody Jesus, who's a mine would, mine would look battered and aged <laughs> and <laughs> demoralized. And generally speaking, compulsive spenders might think money is really glamorous. They wear maybe branded clothes. They carry a designer handbag. And they when they come into your house and when they're having a cup of tea, they make you feel fabulous, like you're the most important person in the room. Somebody who is an anxious money personality is going to say, well, actually, money comes in and maybe they're a little bit like Darth Vader. They make me really scared. And actually, I feel uncomfortable in my own home. So you can tell a lot about the way people think about money just from the way they describe them as a person. So we do a lot of these kind of games. And it's all about getting people to talk about money, not really as money talking about themselves and describing their childhood, for example, is a really great one. What do they remember about growing up? What did they value? Because most people don't value products. They don't remember like a pair of shoes that their parents bought them, but they might remember a great holiday that they took, or they might remember a favorite stuffed toy. So going into all of those memories, you can pull out people's key values Because what's underneath our money personality are all our beliefs and our values. And that creates our money management system internally. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. There's a lot that go, you know, obviously loads that goes into it. And I think what we should probably do is get into the questions. Yeah. Um, now that we've kind of got that background knowledge. And I guess that if anyone listening to this wants to go and do the money quiz, then they can head onto your website and find yeah. out their money personality. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just going to jump in. There's so many questions. So, oh, I mean, we'll try our best to get through them, but I doubt that we, we will have time. We'll have a um, go. Yeah. So, This is from Hannah. What government help is available for childcare? So that's a really good one. So a lot of the government help depends on kind of your income level. So most people, if they're in work, are entitled to tax-free childcare. And that's a kind of a voucher scheme, essentially. You open a childcare account and for every £8 that you pay in, the government pays in £2. Also, if you're in work, once your children get to three and four, you get 30 free hours childcare. But you have to check with which childcare providers are approved to let you use it because not everywhere is. You can sometimes even get the free hours from two as well. But again, that depends on your income level. The safest way to find out a lot of the government help is just to go to the gov.uk website. I mean, there's so much information there and the amount of times I send clients to that, it's unbelievable. 
Yeah, it is. The thing is, it is actually quite confusing. But I guess if you go on there, you just fill out like almost like a questionnaire, don't you? And then it comes up with what what you can have. But I mean, yeah, I didn't even realise that the 30 hours or anything existed. I know. Um, It's such a godsend when you get it though, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. They turn three and you're suddenly like, oh, wow. Wow. I know the the intervening three years, you're like, how am I going to manage this? Yeah, let's just get to the three year mark. Um, This isn't actually a question. This is a recommendation. This is from another Hannah. She said, are you using the Plum app? I've saved a grand on it without really noticing. Highly recommend. That's good. Yeah, so it it is really, really good. And it's funny because there are so many money saving apps these days and ways of doing your banking that aren't just going into the bank or logging onto Instagram internet banking which is what everybody's used to but there are loads of great apps Bab, I need to check one of those out um question from Georgina thoughts on opening pensions for the kids I've never even heard of this before see I love this this is always one of my personal favorite topics I absolutely love junior sips because when you pay what did you call it junior sips junior sips so a sip is simply a self-invested personal pension and you can open them for your children from the day that they're born and you can pay in up to 2,880 I think which is grossed up to 3,600 a year and there's a there was a stat a couple of years ago it's old now so it's probably out of date but there was a stat that if you paid in their maximum contribution every year between now and 18 they would be a millionaire in pension terms by the time they're 65 with average investment growth wow and so how much do we need to pay in per child a year so it's 2880 net which then with the tax relief that the government put on comes to 3600 a year <sighs> That's incredible. I didn't even know you could start a pension for a child. That yeah, is you can. absolutely. And so they wouldn't get that till they're at retirement age. That's exactly it. And the date that they they can access it, like for everybody, is changing. So at present it's fifty five, but it is going to go up to fifty eight. And to be fair, by the time they reach that, it may change again. Why did my parents do that for me? That's really annoying. <laughs> I write that on my list of things to bring bring up with them. Um, <laughs> So this is from Kelly. I've gone part-time after having a baby. Previously, I was the main earner. How to tackle disparity? So that's a really good one. So I actually tend to work with a lot of clients where one parent is either going to go part-time or possibly even stay at home entirely. And it's a big thing about that mindset shift from my money to our money. Because an awful lot of couples that I work with might both have maybe a bills account that they've paid into, but then the rest of their money is kept separate. And it kind of goes back to all this mindset work that I said. It's about separating yourself from your money. Because I think what an awful lot of my clients feel, and I'm sure an awful lot of listeners are going to feel, is that our money is a way in which we value ourselves. So the more we earn, the better we feel about ourselves. And going part-time, dropping our income, is almost akin to dropping a little bit of self-worth in a way. It's almost akin to saying, well, I'm not as valuable because I'm not going out to work as much. And it's about reframing that. It's about saying, well, actually, we're both working towards the same goals. We're both working towards the same family vision. So how can we use the money as a single pot, as our resource that's coming into the house to best serve everyone's needs? And the way in which a lot of my clients do it is in their minds, they might lump all of the money together once it comes into the account. 
And then they might say, okay, who's getting each share of the money? So how much is going to the needs? How much is going to the wants? And then what are we having for our family fund and our individual funds? And that way, everybody still feels valued. Everybody still feels like they're contributing, but nobody's left feeling like the poor relation because they've gone part time. Yeah, that's really interesting. So do you usually suggest to like your clients to have that joint pot and then to because I have this conversation with my friends all the time, like about having joint accounts and all this Mm. kind of stuff. When I moved in with my husband when I was 21, we had a joint account and we have just continued like that yeah so when we came to have a baby we didn't have this distribution of pots it's always just been lumped in Hmm. together but the issue is we're two different um you know money personalities I'm probably like spend 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 and he's more save 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 so as much as it's probably balanced out over the years he's always had a go at me for spending and then I've always had a go at him because I've been earning and I've been like well I can do what I want and and because it's all joint money yeah you don't have that but you so you're saying pull it all into one pot and then distribute it so then people kind of have their own money but kind of not well you don't actually have to physically put it all into one pot this is the beauty of it you only have to think about it like that at the initial point, when it all comes into the account. So at the end of the month, for example, when everybody gets paid, you total up what everybody's being paid on a piece of paper and you say, right, this is the total amount that we've got as a household. And then you might, for example, have four accounts you could have. So you could have one account that you put the lump sum in for all the household bills. Then you could have each of your individual accounts where you put your saving or spending amount. And that means the other person doesn't have oversight, which for a lot of my clients works really well because they say, well, actually, that's my account. So if I blow £20 on a manicure because I want to, that's fine. And if my husband or my partner wants to pay for a football ticket, that's fine. I don't care. I'm not seeing it. And then your fourth account might be your account for your child. And that could contain anything. It could contain a little bit of saving money. It could contain the amount for maybe going out for a day trip because we Mm. all know going out on day trips costs a lot. It's just the idea of putting money into pots or envelopes, as I like to call them, gives you the facility to take ownership of that amount of money, which gives you that sense of self-worth back. Yeah, that's yeah, that's really good. Is there, this is from Millie, is there a savings account that actually pays interest these days? <laughs> So that's a really good question. As a financial coach, we don't actually tend to make recommendations on products at all because we're not regulated financial advisors. But there are lots of good things that you can research on Google about savings accounts. To be fair, they're all pretty rubbish, if we're being really (laughs) honest at the moment, they are. And the only way you're going to get higher returns is by taking risk. And that's always been, been the way, you know, with investing. And that's a personal decision for people. We always recommend that you go and see a regulated financial advisor if you want to start investing. Yeah, perfect. Um, Food budget, how to keep it down while keeping everyone full. I mean, I'd love to know this as well. (laughs) Yeah, to be fair, this this is a question that I always get asked by people. And it's a little bit trial and error, to be honest, because I found when I was 
a new mum, and I bet you did it as well, that you buy more food because you think, right, well, I've got another mouth to feed. And actually, particularly if you're breastfeeding, you're going to be eating a lot more anyway. And you'll find once you get used to having children that your food budget does go back down again, because you kind of, you do that immediate nesting thing of I've got to make sure everybody's well fed, well looked after, and then it kind of normalizes out. The other thing that I always say to clients is there's a lot of batch cooking in all of my my kind of coaching with people. What can you batch cook on a Sunday that will last through? You know, food is expensive at the end of the day. It is really. Yeah. So it's like, I guess, about like sort of planning ahead, batch cooking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do things really get a lot easier when they qualify for the free 30 hours? It's a good question. And in terms of the net cost of childcare, yes, it does. But I've actually written a lot of blog posts on this before. People tend to get fixated on the cost of childcare as the main expenses of having a child. And I can understand why, because it's one of the newest costs. It's one of the costs that you've never had before you've had children. But it's not the only cost because everything goes up. The amount you spend on food goes up. The amount you spend on clothes goes up. The amount of times you'll go out goes up because you want to entertain your children. So, yes, the childcare costs drop. But be careful not to do what we call lifestyle expansion. So we see this a lot in coaching, which is where people save the money from childcare, but they end up spending the same amount anyway, because they say, actually, I've got this magic amount more a month. What can I do with it? Let's get a new car. (laughs) Exactly. So I always say to my clients, when you hit that three years and the free childcare, plan for that money. So have a plan for exactly what you're going to do with it, whether you're going to save it, whether you're going to save it for your kids, put it into a pension, try and put it somewhere that's not just lying around in a current account or instant access because you will have lifestyle creep. You will end up spending more. We'll be right back after this short break. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So there's, there's, do you know what? There's quite a lot of questions around financially dependent on my husband, how not to feel bad about it. I'm the stay-at-home mom, how to not feel guilty that I spend and partner earns. Yeah. Um, yeah, what, you know, what, what do you say to someone like that? I see those questions all the time in my private practice. And it really is, it's about working together as a couple, because so many of my clients come to me and the women, the mums feel the guilt 
they feel like I'm having a baby and therefore it's my obligation to make sure that we can financially afford it, that I'm minimizing costs as much as possible. And I always turn around to my clients and say the same thing, which is how many people did it take to make the baby to start Mm. with? Because it's never just the mum; it's two of you. And sometimes dads get led off a little bit easily. It's like, well, actually, you wanted the baby, therefore it's your obligation. And my coaching is very much couples focused. It's about saying everybody wanted this child. Everybody has got the role of looking after this child. Everybody's got to make the money work. And it's really just about sharing that responsibility, making it mentally okay. You know? Yeah. Because it's not just a, a, a mum, it's a mum and a dad or a mum and a mum. Yeah, or a mum and, yeah, exactly. I guess it's just whoever it is that has created the baby or yeah. who's responsible for the child um, that's involved. Um, how much does it cost to get a good nanny? <laughs> As long as a piece of string is the quick answer to that one. Yeah, I know. So I was just thinking, yeah, it really depends, doesn't it? Where you it live. It really does. Yeah. Qualifications, all of yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, going from one to two, mm-hmm. is it really that much more expensive? Well, I'm still only at the one stage, so I can't speak from personal experience. But I have seen clients tell me that actually it's not – 100% more expensive. If, if I was going off my client experience, I would say it sits somewhere between 30 to 50% more yeah. expensive, particularly if you have two of the same gender, because the amount of clothing you can reuse is fantastic. Yeah, no, I was going to say that actually. And also it depends as well, I guess, when how close together you have them. Because yeah. when I had um, Gigi, my daughter, yeah. Axel was just about to turn three. Yeah. So it like offset that big nursery fee lump but you could go to preschool yeah um and we could literally not pay anything and then um yeah then obviously we've not ever had two children in that sort of nursery environment and that's the thing I've only ever had one client where they had two under three and their nursery fees jumped from 700 pounds a month to two and a half thousand a month that's what I was gonna say Yeah. yeah and it was just massive because I think we looked at it and if we were going to send both children to nursery four days a week, it would cost us over £3,000 a month. Yeah, it's insane, isn't it? It is, it is, yeah, it is. But, you know, people like, you know, pe- people do it and, that you know, that sometimes yeah. it's the only way, which is crazy. But, yes. <laughs> um, this is interesting. How to move when childcare fees are stopping you affording to borrow more from a lender? So that's a really interesting one. And again, it's not something that we would usually advise on as financial coaches because we don't get involved with recommending mortgages. But the best thing to do, unfortunately, and it's a horrible answer, is to try and time these things. So to try and time when you move, to try and time when you approach a lender, because lenders do look very simplistically at spreadsheets. They look at black and white. They look at affordability. And it is awful for people. I've had clients who've had two that were eight and nine in the same bedroom, different genders, because they can't afford to move because lenders aren't that friendly, unfortunately. There are moves, luckily, in the industry wider speaking to make mortgages easier to get there are starting to be things like lifetime mortgages as well which are helping that are portable 
But yeah, it is tough. There's no denying it. And also, I guess, what about when you're on maternity leave? I remember seeing that a lot around, you know, when people were on furlough and stuff trying to get a mortgage. But I guess it's the same when you're on maternity leave trying to get a mortgage if your, you know, your normal income just isn't there. Yeah. Well, it depends. So if your employer will give you a guarantee, a letter that you can give to your your lender when you apply that says look, they are employed by us, this is their normal salary and their return date is that this, that will go a long way to helping your affordability. All you need to show is a continuity of return in a lot of those instances, because that's what employers want to see. They want to see that obviously that sorry mortgage lenders want to see that obviously you are employed you are going to go back to work and your income will go back to normal yeah and you'll be able to afford the repayments exactly um oh mummy makes music this is from (laughs) i don't know what her name is um Mm -hmm. what to do with inheritance i guess that's a pretty sort of at a wide question yeah a very wide question because how much is the inheritance and you know I guess it's difficult but so it it depends when you when you get any kind of large capital sum I think the first thing to think about is how long does it need to last me for am I looking for it to be a long-term return am I looking for it to do immediate gratification for us so do we need a new car do we need to extend our house once you know what the goal is with the money it's a lot easier to put a plan in place for it I think the problem that we have in fact as a society generally not just with inheritances is that we're very kind of instant gratification we get money and we want it almost to go out of the door as quickly as it came in because we want to buy things we want to have new experiences as a family coach as a money coach what I try and get people to do is sit back with the money for a little bit and say what value do I want to place on it what value do I want it to return to me one of my favorite questions is always are you getting as much out of the money as you're going to put in? So when you spend it, are you getting back the same return as you're as you're giving out? Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, like my, I guess a lot of people would just be like, "Great, how are we going to spend it?" Um, and it's easy to do that, isn't it? This is from Hannah. How to manage on maternity pay? I see you nurse on NHS El Skinto. <laughs> yeah, so maternity pay sucks quite frankly, in this country. It it really does. It's very, very low. It's 90% of your weekly earnings for the first six weeks, and then it drops significantly. It's £151.97 or 90%, whichever is lower for the for the other 33 weeks. So it is, it's really low and it's tough. One of the things that I've had clients do, particularly when they work with me before their baby is born, is they try and save up a little bit in advance. And unfortunately, as boring as that advice sounds, and I know it sounds boring, it's really the best advice, which is to try and think about the kind of things that you're going to want to do in maternity leave and try and have a little bit of flex in the budget if you can. One of the things I forgot when I I was pregnant and I see so many of my clients forget is that your gas and electric will go up when you're on maternity leave because you're in the house more yeah so it's things like that try and think about what's going to go up and what might come down you know could you instead of buying coffees out could you make a coffee to go and meet with your mum friends could you maybe pack a lunch for you if you want to go and take the baby to the park it's those things they're small changes but the beauty of small changes is they do add up and yeah. they will help you over that nine-month period. 
Yeah, thank you. Um, this is actually quite fitting for that question. Are there any budget planning apps? So there are. There are quite a few different ones. They're, the most famous one is You Need a Budget. <laughs> aptly called. And people love it because you can put in all of your different expenses, you can break them down by item and category, and you can really keep an eye on what's going on. But the thing that I tell my clients with budgeting is don't be too wedded to the numbers, okay? Don't be too fixated on looking at every single item on your credit card or on your current account. Instead, practice a game that I've called the mindful money game, which is when you have your current account or your credit uh, credit card bill, just go through it with three different colored highlighters and look at what are the costs that I need to spend that keep our kind of lifestyle going. What are the costs that I'm spending to make our lifestyle comfortable? So that might be things like a TV package or a gym membership. And then what are the things that I'm spending that don't fit into either of those categories? And that third category that doesn't fit as either needs or wants, ask yourself, is it bringing me joy? You know, a little bit like Mary Kondo doing yeah. the, the tidying. <laughs> if it's not bringing you joy, if it's not getting you closer to your family money goals, whatever they are, maybe it's moving house or going on a holiday a year, ask yourself, do I value spending that money? And if you don't, they're primed to cut out of your budget and reuse that money. Reuse it in a way that is going to bring your family joy. Or if you don't need to use it, save it. Yeah, yeah, that's good advice. Good advice. Um, there's a lot of questions around actually being able to afford to go back to work. There's yeah. so many questions, you know, like I really want to go back to work, but financially it doesn't yeah. make any sense because of the cost of childcare. Yeah. What, I, I'm guessing you, you hear this a lot. So what, what do you say to those people? So the main question there is when we say it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't feel financially worthwhile, you always want to ask yourself, why am I saying that? Is that because I'm looking at the headline figure? So in other words, are you looking at the amount that comes in from your paycheck net versus the amount that's going out in childcare? And the answer is probably yes. Yeah. And if it is, you have to kind of take a step back from it and say, but actually, that's not the only benefit that I'm getting from going to work. I'm not just going for a net salary. You're going for pension contributions that you're not going to get if you if you decide to become a stay-at-home mom, you're going for socialization and adult time. You know, I planned to be a stay-at-home mom for four years and I managed six months before I wanted to scream at a wall. Because that, <laughs> you know, it is, it's hard being mm. a stay-at-home mom, particularly if you don't get out as much as you think you're going to, coronavirus notwithstanding. So it is about thinking, what are the wider benefits of, of going to work that aren't just my net paycheck? You might have healthcare benefits. You might be able to get the tax-free childcare, like I said. There's a lot of other things that you, your employer might be providing you that aren't just your net salary. Yeah, and also I guess as well, like I always looked at it as in I could, you know, even if I'm not taking home that much extra at the yeah. end of the month, hopefully I'm growing in that yeah. time as well so yeah. my career is not just staying Static. still yeah. yeah and so then you know over those years I'm almost like investing in my future a little bit yeah. too there's also the other thing of you've got to remember as well that just because you go back doesn't mean you have to stay you know yeah. I always love telling clients try it out at the end of the day you you gain potentially a lot 
you lose very little. If you try it out for, say, a month or two months and it's absolutely not working, at least you know that. Yeah, you've tried it. Yeah, if you make the decision before you even go back, you'll always wonder, could we have made it work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, I think we've only got time for a couple more questions. So I'm going to try and find some good ones. Where do I start when wanting to set up a private pension? For adults or for I think it sounds like adults. It sounds like adults. So for adults, there's an awful lot of research that you can do on Google. Literally, I say this all the time to clients. You can go onto Google and just type in personal pensions and you will get so many comparison articles about the differences between personal pensions. But in essence, most pensions work very similarly. You know, if you don't want to manage your own portfolio, which I totally understand if you're if you're not an investment advisor, there are lots of robo advice platforms that you can go to. So robo advice platforms are where you take a little quiz on a website and it will tell you what your attitude to risk is. And then they'll recommend you an investment portfolio. So you just pay in your monthly amount. They claim the tax relief for you. And then that's your personal pension set up once you apply for it. Alternatively, if you do want a little bit more bespoke advice, go and see a financial advisor. There are loads across the country. They all have to be regulated. So you are going to get trusted investment advice from a financial advisor. Absolutely. And I think this is a good one to finish off on because there'll be loads of people who feel like this. How do you initiate a talk about money with, you know, husband or partner? We never talk about money and prior attempts just cause upset. Quick answer. Don't make it about money. (laughs) It's true. So instead of talking about money, never, ever turn around to somebody and say, do you know what I want to do? I want to sit down and go through our budget because that does not sound sexy on any level. Say (laughs) it doesn't. Turn around and say, I want to talk about what you want from our future. Because if you talk in big scale things, if you say, is life going the way that you want? If you could have anything, what would you have? People are more game for that because they don't feel like they're about to be judged. Whereas if you say, I want to talk about our budget, my husband, probably your husband and most people's partners are going to say, what did I spend that you didn't like? Or I'm only spending because I thought I could. It feels very accusatory. So never go down that line. Go down the line of saying, I think, you know, I would really like one day, for example, to travel across Asia in a VW camper van. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Do you know what? And and like you said at the beginning, when you sit down to be like, right, we need to have a chat about money, it can become like seriously like, you shouldn't be doing that and I should be able to do that because I want to. And it feels like you get your back up straight away. Um, So no, that's really, really great advice. And where can we find you for anyone else who wants to ask more questions or maybe book a session with you? So there's a couple of ways that you can find me. You can find me through my Instagram handle, which is at the underscore family underscore underscore money underscore coach sorry I know it's long or you can find me at my website which is www.charlottelidstone.com fabulous thank you I mean I've learned a lot from that episode so I hope you all have as well um Zoe and I will be back on Tuesday with another episode if you have any feedback on anything that you've heard today please just drop us a message we're on at made by mummers and of course please 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 leave us a five-star review if you have time and we see you Tuesday
Made by Mummers is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the wonderful Imogen Hart. Insanity Group. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.